Good morning. This is SBL Perspectives, and I'm Jack Mitchell, here along with the esteemed John Bricado. That's right, JB. So we're happy to say we have a, a, a huge vendor on today that I think that members, new, old, wherever you like, will really appreciate this podcast. And John, before we jump in, I want to say, I, I noticed in the Apple Watch, man, you've been you've been getting your workouts in this morning. <laughs> Like, I got to say, like, you motivated me to make sure I had 500 calories where I walked in the, in the office this morning. So I love I that. Appreciate I appreciate it. that. You know, it's <laughs> funny, my where I live, the apartment building, they just replaced some new gym equipment. So it's kind of like re-motivated me to get down there. They put two new treadmills in, which is awesome. I, I've missed running and I don't like running outside in the cold. So now oh, I'm, I'm back in my old habits, man. And it feels good. And it's I was funny. saying you did you did four miles this morning, brother. Yeah, I, I do four miles every other day. Man, you ain't telling me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny part is, it's funny you mentioned that because when I, you know how on the iPhone it has the like the focus modes and everything. So yes. when I when I have when I'm doing a workout, it's in the fitness mode, so I don't really get notifications. As soon as I turn it off, Jack Mitchell completed a row, completed some strength training. <laughs> well, I gotta stay, bro. Since December fifteenth, I've been closing my rings every day. I'm on that street every day. Move calories and stand and stand i'm sometimes i'm staying like 19 20 hours a day i make sure every hour I get up i feel yeah good. yeah i'm, I'm, charging I'm, I'm impressed like four, man. Five hours. really impressed but at any rate we, we have a great guest for you for you all this morning yes. we have brett carruthers from right risk management a component of nicer and he really walks nicer. us through all of the important components of risk management transferring risk and a lot of the mm-hmm. issues that business officials are facing this year and years to come with the changing landscape of education. So we're really excited to bring you Brett today. And here's our interview with Brett Carruthers. Today on the podcast, we have Brett Carruthers. He's the Senior Vice President of Risk Management and Director of Innovation for Wright Public Entity and Director of Risk Management for the New York School's Insurance Reciprocal, also known as NICER. Brett counsels school administrators and methodologies to mitigate risk in school operations. With over 39 years of diverse safety and risk management experience, he's an innovative thought leader and solutionist in public school risk management. Brett, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, John. Uh, it's yes. my pleasure to be with uh, you and Jack today. Brett, this is so good. So great. I mean, for some time we've been talking about doing this. John and I are just so elated now to have you on. And it feels like in person. I mean, with the Zoom, it, it's great to see your face. And it's just, it just seems like it's been so long. But but thank you again for coming on. And so with that, we're, we're excited because we know how important risk management is. And I know NICER is one of the preeminent you know, carriers to the state for, for most school or our school districts, right? I mean, that's all I really know is NICER. And so with that, I've been pleased to say, you know, NICER has been part of with this district and my prior district, so it's about 10 years. And so with that, we want to kind of get into folks that don't know about NICER and then more along the lines of what's currently happening nowadays with risk management, right? Because we know we're still sort of on this fringe of the pandemic and whatnot. So if you could maybe tell us, you know, just a little bit about NICER, I guess, and how the reciprocal was started. And you know what? Before you do that, I want to just—I always talk a lot, so just give me a second. <laughs> but I do want to say that Peter Weber was my mentor years ago, and I know he was one of the the, the initial pioneers with that. You know, he was obviously a school business official for many years, but being my mentor, he he gave me the background of it. But hearing from you, so all this is no. You know, how has really NICER evolved and, and currently, you know, what does it do to help school districts, both indirectly and directly? 
Well, Jackson, you and I have a, a different connection with Peter. Just before I talk about NICER, Peter hired me to come to work at Wright. Wow. So wow. I, we, we have, a, you know, we have a, that connection and the connection with me goes back nearly 25 years. So full circle. It, as we look at NICER, NICER was born out of the liability crisis in the late, uh, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New, New York State Legislature, by legislative action, created the ability for public entities to create insurance reciprocal. On, ju- in, on July 1st, 1989, 54 school districts on Long Island in a Westchester County began nicer. The operation started with with 54. Today, as we're in our 33 or 33rd year, we have two, uh, 347 members. Yep. And what's unique about you now there's several points that are unique about nicer. Nicer is a 503c3 corporation. Mm-hmm. So we're not for profit. Uh, we're also owned by the member school districts that are part of nicer. So Our stakeholders have uh, a significant dog and with with the operations of the organization. NICER had three three founding principles, which we certainly still follow today, uh, providing rate stability and broad coverage to school districts, fighting frivolous claims, and providing excellent risk management services. That's great. And, you know, you've been around for a really long time. And I'm just curious, you know, you're not the only game in town, but could you maybe talk to us and our listeners and what separates NICER from maybe the other insurers and what makes you so unique? John, that's a really good question. And I think there is a number of factors with this. NICER is licensed only to insure public school districts in New York State. We're not licensed to write the big five. We're not right licensed to write the special districts. So each day we eat, sleep, and drink schools. So when you do that, we become, I think one of the things that differentiates the risk management team is we're solutionists. We look to find practical solutions to risk management challenges. The other piece with the team is we have over 160 years of public school risk management experience. And having that experience and having, you know, having a very strong team to draw on. It allows us to form a, a very unique program and offer some very unique things. So we look at you know some other pieces that make this <clears throat> unique or, or, or differentiators. Uh, one of the things that NICER does, in, and certainly for school business officials, this is important, is we pay for your appraisal. We use CBiz, they're a strategic partner, but we, we pay for your appraisals. So that's an expense yes, that you don't have yes. to take on. With that, that also helps you with your Gadsby 34 reporting requirements. So that's important. Correct. Uh, our risk transfer program is very unique. We have a dedicated team of two risk transfer specialists. We're adding a third. And that team looks at north of 14,000 risk transfer related documents each year. Our head injury prevention program is, has been a leader in that area. 
NYSER was the first insurance carrier in North America and going back to 2015 to offer neurocognitive baseline and post-concussion testing for student athletes. So we partnered with our strategic partner, Impact, and have that, that program carries to help people in the transportation arena. We, we utilize license monitor, which allows them to, to monitor 49 different areas of individuals' driver's license, uh, full compliance with 19. And in the educational arena, and this is one of our, our strongholds, uh, NICER is the only insurance carrier in New York State to be a CTLE provider, been a CTLE provider since 2017. Yeah, that's true. We see, you know, as the school community is changing, you know, I'm one of those gray hairs as, you know, the gray hairs get a little bit grayer. There's going to be, you know, the school is going to be bringing in new generations of not only leaders, but educators. All of those individuals are going to have con ed requirements. So being able to provide quality education programming, which in which our members can you know, earn CTLE hours is you know, something we felt was very critical to be able to become a provider. Our online university right now, we're in the process of transitioning to a new host. Uh, we come back online in, in mid-April, we will have 35 of our programs and another 40 uh, from our new host available to our members. So we're, you know, making a significant change with it. And our symposiums that we've done now for, this will be our fifth, they're thought leading, they're thought provoking, uh, they're, they're challenging. Uh, this year's symposium, we were intending to be back in person on August 1st and 2nd in Terrytown, And it's on athletic risk management and creating a safer environment for student athletes. So all of those things make us different, but all of those things also provide to the, the, you know, our core of providing excellent risk management services. Well, it certainly sounds like being a member of NYSER, there's a lot of value add to being part of that reciprocal. Yeah, that's right. That's so awesome. You know what? I actually, as we're talking, I found this button and I'm going to show it to you real quick. If you can see it, this button that I got at the 25th anniversary and I want to just hit it real quick so people could hear. Now that was nicer. That's been <laughs> on my desk since I came here seven years ago. And I got it at the beginning. I got to tell you, what you just did was nicer. So in other words, I mean, the why nicer, you broke it down. And when you brought up the online university, by the way, I remember dealing with you a lot in the beginning when it came out and you were extremely helpful um, helping us. And that's been so, you know, for us getting trainings out there, right, too, to, to our staff and members. It's been great. So thanks. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. I mean, last, last year, we in, in the 2021 school year mm-hmm. um, or no, the 21-22 school, 2021 school year, get confused. We had over 60,000 courses completed in the online university. Each year we continue to grow that. Our, our numbers for this year are already at last year's numbers. And when we bring the online university wow. back online, you know, we'll, we will set another record again this year for total number of courses. So it has become a, it's become a go-to place for our members to help them with a lot of their educational needs. And we're really excited with what we're able, what we're going to be able to bring when we come back online. So, Good stuff. 
Real good stuff. Yeah. So, so with that, Brett, switching a little gears here, you know, for our listeners now, what are the top risks for school districts, right? And, you know, just so they get a sense, could you maybe explain to how, how do you evaluate these risks? You know, how severe perhaps they are, you know, their impact as well as how likely they're to, they're to occur right now? Well, when we look at our lost drivers and we look at you know, the, the risk-facing schools. Cyber is one that has to be on everybody's mind. It's mm-hmm. ever working. It's ever present. And, you know, the people, the hackers, the fraudsters, they're very, very good. They've honed their skills during the pandemic. So they're just waiting for that one oops to be able to pounce on opportunity. And I'll come back to that in a moment. Another area that we're finding challenge is contractual liability with, with capital projects. Uh, labor law 220, labor law section 240, those claims put an undue onus on the property owners, which are school districts. And from a contractual liability standpoint, it, it's very, very difficult to be able to transfer risk because it's strict liability. Uh, And that's an area where uh, there there needs to be reform. You know, the property owners should not be held ultimately responsible for contractors, employees that don't follow policy and procedure because you have no direct control over that. Another area in, you know, this is something where the pandemic has certainly made things difficult. Uh, is bullying. Now it, it's more cyber bullying, but you know, as we look at this school year and we look at students, as students have come back, you know, with, with the different, you know, the different situations with social distancing, with masking, you know, everybody's back. With that, there, there's certainly been a lot of pent-up emotions. There's a lot of mental health issues. The importance of social-emotional learning and, and trauma-informed care those areas are just so critical in, in helping all these young people and, you know, to be able to deal with, with all the stressors that the pandemic's created. You know, a final area of, uh, that we still see is sexual assault and molestation. I mean, and this, this goes beyond <clears throat> the, the Child Victim Act. We, we still, unfortunately, still see students being abused by a host of different of abusers, you know, fellow students, people within the school community. So as we look at each of these loss leaders, we have a host of different assessments that we're able to do with our members to, to look at various pieces, look at things from the best practice standpoint. What practices do you have in place? What practices can we assist you with to get better? Uh, coupling that with looking at losses, where, what, what is, what's your losses telling us? What picture does that create? We have some different analytics that we use and, and using those analytics and coupling with these. But as we look at these risks, not, you know, it's, it's kind of a two-pronged piece. You know, you, you have the direct impact, you have the loss piece to it. But, but you also have community risk associated with it. You have reputation risk in these situations. It touches the different operations and being able to work with 
with your teams and work with the, the various leaders within the school community. It, it takes a team approach to that, to address these various exposures, to find ways to, to move forward with them. You have a lot of resources available and a lot of tools. And those, uh, the use of those certainly uh, creates opportunities, you know, for our members to, to get better. You know, it's really interesting, especially the contractor piece that you mentioned. Do you see any kind of change on the horizon in the near future for that to kind of better benefit districts? John, that's a really good question. And it's a really good point. And the the plaintiff bar, their lobby is so strong to try to get any movement there. It's going to take an enormous lift by a lot of stakeholders. And I think you know, as you look at the various associations, I think it's something that the different, edu- you know, different <clears throat> associations that have a, a stake in this, ASBO, school board, uh, school facilities. I think if you were to have a unified voice and, you know, puts, you know, as you have your lobby days and you have your, your opportunities to meet with the legislative leaders and, and put this message in front of them. And for them to hear this message on an ongoing basis, I think that would be a tremendous help. And we're not looking to overturn the precedents. We're just looking to hold the responsible parties responsible and not have everything drop on the property owner. But certainly in in the grand scheme of this, that's not fair because you're giving those that who may not do things and follow all the rules, they're, they're getting a pass on this. Yeah, and you know, for you and your fellow uh, school districts, you're the ones left holding the bag, and and unfortunately, these claims are are not inexpensive. Well, it's it's an interesting point. I mean, maybe now that you know, with kind of the change at the state level with funding, and we've been channeling all of our association resources into you know, advocating for fair and equitable funding. Maybe now that that's kind of leveling out, we can refocus our energy in terms of some other aspects of what it means to, to mitigate risk. And which I did want to ask, you know, you, you've, you laid out a, a lot of good points in terms of what risks face districts and school business officials. Can you maybe expand on what you do to assist in mitigating risk and what business officials do or could do? Because I, re- I remember, you know, the late Greg Hawk, may he rest in peace, would always give me a hard time about my bus drivers taking off mirrors. <laughs> you know? So that was a major uh, issue for me uh, in, I, in the previous district. I'm happy you brought Greg's name up for a moment. He's my best friend. And, you know, we, we did a lot of good things together. I, I, I miss him deeply every day. Yeah. Uh, and, and Greg was a just a very unique person who touched so many across the school community with our, you know, not only our members, but everyone. And, you know, Greg and I is, you know, we would strategize a lot together. And as we looked at, we always wanted, anytime we had a member touch, we wanted to make it a good experience. Even when it was delivering bad news, we still wanted to be a good experience. And watching him do that, he was just a master. But as we look at strategies with risk mitigation, as we look at school business leaders and, and other district leaders, being able to consult with them and to be able to be confidants with them where 
they, they bring questions to us and we're able to help provide solid guidance. And, and then you couple that with, you know, being able to sit and ask the right questions to get to the heart of the matter, get to the heart of, you know, what, what we're trying to accomplish and, and then find, in most instances, cons consensus, but finding the right pathway to the end. And, and sometimes those pathways were not, you know, are not necessarily the easiest. You know, they, they, they have some difficulty, they have some challenge. But as, as you couple that with, you know, the, the bench strength of our education program and how we deliver education from the district level through seminars to our symposia and with the online university, uh, being able to do that and deliver that through so many different channels. I mean, this year we've been able to get back to doing our more traditional in-district training in person. I mean, we followed any guidelines that our members have and, you know, and that's fine. And we have guidelines, which we followed as well with that. But, and then you couple that with, you know, we're always doing research. We're always looking at, as you look at emerging issues, okay, how are we going to approach this? We look at opportunities for innovation. We, we have, we, we've done a number of things with innovation and just, you know, highlighting one. We have an Internet of Things sensor program. We've used this with members that have had some, some untoward property losses around freezing, around water, water dam, and this equipment, you know, monitoring temperature, monitoring humidity. And this program we've had, you know, while it's, Right around still a pilot level. We're we're in about 40 districts. And then you know, we're just starting year three with this. We've had almost 200 saved. And we'd be able to, you know, we've been able to mitigate, you know, over four million dollars in losses. But the other piece to this is we we need engagement as the member, you know, as the leaders and the others in the school communities as they engage as they shape their risk appetite, as they shape their risk tolerance levels, those help to integrate risk management and safety into their operations. It integrates it into their decision-making. And we have a tremendous number of resources that they can use to, to complement all of that. We have a host of different manuals. We have a host of different centers in, in our risk on the website and risk management central to help them with a lot of these challenges. I guess in looking at our current environment and of course, always looking to the future, could you maybe speak to, I guess, some of the challenges you guys may be facing that, that I guess SPLs and school districts should be aware of? And I guess at the same time too, where do you see this industry changing in the next few years? I mean, as we look at, you know, the challenges and the changes coming, we're in the midst of a lot of challenges with cyber. The players in the market are starting, you know, while they were a number of players in the market initially, you know, a lot of them are starting to pull out of the school's market. But those that are in the school's market will not write any new business. So some of the challenges there are, you know, trying to find the adequacy and the availability of coverage. In some instances, you know, people are looking for increased limits. So that, that puts challenge on everybody, puts challenge on our end as we form partnerships with, with people that, you know, provide the coverage, but also 
you know, put pressure and, and challenge on your as you look to incorporate, you know, various protective measures in order to be able to get these limits. Another challenge continues to be the child's victim. The one piece with the Child's Victim Act that, you know, has touched a lot of people is in your older allegations. It's very hard to find who those insurers, and then you couple that with a lot of those insurers no longer being in business, uh, it, it creates a very difficult situation for, for public school districts. And I think this is going to be an area, I mean, there's not been a lot of movement within this act, you know, COVID has kind of, you know, kept that at bay right now, but as some of those cases start to be heard. Some of those cases start to be, you know, go to discovery and work their ways through the legal process. I think it's incumbent upon, again, this is going to be where it's going to need to be, be some advocacy to state leaders to create a fund to help public school districts with these uncovered losses. And, and, and that ties into another piece that we we've been seeing for a couple of years now with claims and social inflation you know there's increased claim costs across the board the jury verdicts where you see juries oh, oh yeah that was... wanting to be mm-hmm. the equalizer in some cases and you, you hear the term nuclear verdict now, I, I don't necessarily like that term but you you see what would be a very modest decision, you know, is multiplied by a hundred. And, you know, that skews everybody across the board. And, and that has significant impact in the reinsurance market, you know, where, you know, we, we're very reliant on the market. We have great partners in the reinsurance market, but, you know, that, you know, that forces a lot of looking there. And I, I think one of the things, and this is a challenge that I think is a good challenge, as we look at the DEI movement, diversity, equality, inclusion, I, I like to include unconscious bias and all of that, as, as that is the mantra that, that schools are, are moving towards. They're kind of ahead of the curve of a lot of people in this area, and that's good. But as we as those are embraced within the school culture, that I think that will help with morale. That's going to help with mental health issues. That's going to help across the board. You'll see it tangentially having an impact on bullying, having an impact on other pieces across the board, discrimination, harassment, some of the DASA-related things as it relates to the student, and also some of the school for legal liability pieces that you see with in the employment practice liability area. Finally, climate. I mean, you don't have to look very, I mean, look at how the weather has changed. We have significantly more wind events in these rain events that we have. We have flooding, which is not your traditional flooding. It's not rivers overflowing. It's infrastructure that not, cannot handle eight inches of rain in five hours. You know, it, and so oh, it's true. flooding of a different type, but it's still flooding. I mean, you look at uh, Ida. As we look at our losses from Ida, that it was that rain that created non-traditional flooding, but still flooding. 
which has been what drove the losses there. So all of those, I mean, climate is certainly going to, you know, and, and its impacts are certainly going to be felt for years to come. I mean, I, I'm looking at some different strategies there and looking at things where we're probably going to do a climatology consultation with some experts to, to better understand the shifts and how that can impact our, our property insurance program and then you know, start to look for solutions with that. Well, Brett, I mean, I, I think I speak for all business officials in thanking you for staying on top of all these emerging issues. I did just want to go back to one point that you mentioned about yourself and, and Greg, and that you can just deliver the worst news in the best way. And I remember just looking at some loss runs thinking, what are we going to do? But somehow I felt good after that meeting. So thank you for, for all that you do. And we just typically like to give our guests an opportunity to give just any general advice or kind of tell us what's going on with what you're doing. I think as we, we, we wrap up in a couple things to think about, you know, in an analogous manner, I, I want, you know, I want you to think about how you think strategically for finance, for budgeting, for revenue projection. Spin that strategic thinking as you plan risk management and as you look to, to improve your risk management programs. Be a change agent. You know, find ways to, to integrate risk management in your decision making where, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we have to think about risk management where it just becomes a natural part of that decision making process. And the other thing that I, for, for those, I'm going to date myself here, for those who still remember Polaroid pictures, think about it in this manner. Take a Polaroid picture of your risk right now. What do we look like? What does our risk look like today? What do our vulnerabilities look like? And then ask the question, how can we look different in six months? How can we look different in 18 months? Because th this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. You, know, you want continued and sustained change. You, you, you don't want to, you know, this isn't a campaign. This is a commitment with that. And the, the last piece of that, which I, I think is just real critical, embrace risk transfer. Why be responsible for somebody else's actions when there, there are ways to transfer that risk? Our services, which we provide, we're able to transfer tens of millions of dollars in, in risk to the responsible parties each year. And, and that's losses that we're not taking. You know, so... As you look at nicer, one for all and all for one, that certainly helps. It helps everybody win. But those are, you know, those are some things to think about. Those are some things to, to contemplate and, you know, in, incorporate as, you know, you grow as business leaders and as you grow as not only business leaders, but leaders within the school, because what decisions you make, it, 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 you touch far beyond the walls of the school. What, what districts do, and, you know, just, I, I think a good example here, just real quick, 
look at school nurses and the role that they have played the, the, these past two, you know, these past 23 months and counting with the pandemic. Not only are they school nurses, but in a lot of cases, especially in districts which have, you know, cha- you know, challenged neighborhoods and, and people in challenged economic situations, they become public health providers, you know, and, and schools are, you know, right there. You look at the various things schools have done with the pandemic, handing out test kits, being, you know, be, becoming sites for, for, for testing, becoming sites for vaccination distribution, you know, all public health, all things for the public health good. So, you know, the, the, the reach of the school community is truly into the community. And we, you know, as we look at how we do things, as we look at how we guide our members, you know, we don't lose sight of, you know, okay, you have your buildings, you have the walls within the buildings, you have the perimeter fencing around your, or around your campuses, but we also realize that it goes a lot farther than that. Well, Brett, thank you so much for your time today. I mean, it was just right. incredibly insightful to have you on and to give you kind of the microphone awesome. of the internet to get to our membership. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jack. It's my pleasure to be here. And I, I think what you do with your, your podcast is just uh, terrific. Appreciate that. Thank you, Brett. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in today with another episode of SBO Perspectives. We want to thank Brett once again for his time yes, today. Thank you, Such Brett. insightful information. And you know what, Jack? He he didn't want to date himself by referencing the Polaroid picture. But as soon as I heard that, all I could think of was outcast and shake it like a Polaroid picture. So I don't know if I'm dating myself now, but you know, that's where my <laughs> <I> mind <know>. went. <laughs> it was all good. I mean, listen, we this is what we do, right? And so podcasts are bringing so many different things, people on, vendors on, and this is a big one today. So we're glad we had Brett on. Nicer is huge. You know, I mentioned I've had him the last decade. That's all I really know. And I know there are other vendors out there too in the insurance space, but we really appreciate the coming and really breaking down the risk as well. It wasn't just about the company per se, but really like what SBLs and school districts look out for. So we thank you. And guys out there, we're going to continue to bring you a lot of new podcasts you never heard before. I want to mention Black History Month. Uh, as we wrap up, we got a couple of more new ones. What a big surprise next week. So stay tuned. And with that, I'm Jack Mitchell and I'm signing off. SBO Perspectives. Thanks, everyone.